passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, Carmella is cashing in her money in the bank contract. Oh my God. Carmella's going to win the championship. This is brilliant. Charlotte can barely stand up. Her guarantee is finally going to do it. There's the bow. Here we go. Carmella with the kick. Charlotte Flair is down. New champion. Call her C H A M P I O N champion. Congratulations, Carmella. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wayne. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It's John Pollock here, along with Waiting. Wait, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Uh, doing well, doing well. Definitely, um, I think, feeling some of the effects of uh, all the hours put into watching and reviewing wrestling over the past week. So, um, happy to wrap it up. Well, there is there's lots to discuss. On uh, tonight's show, we had SmackDown, we had 205 Live. Uh, we are going to be dedicating a future show to the Andre the Giant documentary on its own, so we won't be discussing that tonight. Although, uh, we do have some other things to touch on, including a TakeOver, which I have seen. Have you seen it, Way? I have, as well. Okay, well, we can... Let's start there. Let us start there before we get into uh, all of the proceedings of Tuesday night. Uh, this was discussed coming out of Saturday as the best takeover ever by some. And what I found really interesting was that you and I uh, were surrounded by nothing but wrestling fans, wrestling media, everyone connected with this for the last couple of days. And I got home on Monday and I had not heard the result of the main event. It's amazing how many people talk to me about that main event without mentioning who won it. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It was, yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. It was same same with me. Um maybe it just kind of goes to show how little the outcome really matters when the match was, you know, an amazing match. I don't think it's one of those things where today when you're you're raving about a match or something like that, the the winner and the loser is of the is of the utmost importance when describing it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I heard and I did not even avoid uh the results. I really 
didn't care all that much. I had heard other results on the on the show, and it didn't uh, wasn't a big deal. But I just found it curious. People brought that match up to me, but never uh, announcing the winner. It was actually Way who informed me who had won the day before. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I, I figured no, I, I didn't. I didn't care at all. Yeah, um, of all people, it wouldn't really matter to you. This was a 37 minute classic that they closed the show off with. I thought a great example to uh, contrast to Ring of Honor that same night who opted to go last with their title match as opposed to the hottest match on the card. NXT did not. They decided to go against that idea by putting the title match with a title change, no less, second from the top and put the hottest match on last. And I have to give the nod to NXT for the match placement award of Saturday night. I feel like I probably have to give them the nod for the overall show of the night as well. I think a combination of just having a very, uh, you know, smaller, but very well-paced set of matches throughout the course of the evening that started off incredibly strong with that ladder match and ended incredibly strong. Uh, They definitely, in my opinion, had the much better show of the night. That main event, there was not a down portion of that match for me. I was into oh, yeah. it the entire way. Uh, the what they built up to and when uh, from the from the the German suplex or the uh, the sunset flip onto the concrete when Champa went down and how much they maximized that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the commentary being cut out when they were tossed onto the desk and the first uh, that I can recall chant of "Mamma Mia." Yes. Uh, then we had. If there was one portion that I thought, uh oh, let's not veer into too strange a territory, was the kid on crutches. But that didn't get silly. It was the introduction of the crutch, which was so important to this match. Uh, and the entire story has been built around that damn crutch. Yeah, absolutely. And then plus the visual of the two of them sitting down together, just like oh, they said. All, all the callbacks to DIY and their yeah. history, just through their body language and positioning. And then that. That final sequence with Johnny Gargano teasing that he's having sympathy on this guy, and then boom, he catches him and pulls back with the brace. I love that finish. I love this match. I would argue you could um, you could go either way uh, in terms of uh, which match was better between Gargano and Almas and this one. I think a lot of people, just because of the story and the buildup to this one, are going to lean this past Saturdays over the January match with Almas. That that was my choice, and uh, I, I really enjoyed this match, even watching it several days later, even knowing the outcome, I think, uh, didn't really affect it too much. Uh, you can, I could still really appreciate it for the, the incredible, I think, uh, athleticism and also the storytelling involved. So a combination of all of those elements together, I would actually call this my match of the weekend. Yeah, it was just a tremendous match. Um any other thoughts on the show? We kind of discussed a bit about the uh, the ladder match. Um, the women's match, I thought, was really well done. I thought significantly better than the last Ember Moon-Shayna Baszler match. And then you also had the, the tag title match in there, the three-way, with Roderick Strong turning on partner Pete Dunne and joining the Undisputed Era. I like the directions for almost everything, all, all of those choices. Um, I, I think Shayna... Uh, obviously, you know, with Ember being on Raw, I, I love seeing Shayna as that dominant champion. I, I think she's just a fantastic character and somebody who is incredibly credible in a role like that. 
So I, I look forward to seeing what she does as a champion and who's going to chase her. Um, I think having uh, Roderick join, you know, CFO or, or the Undisputed Era, I think is great. I think, you know, it gives him a bit more of an edge. He's He's been a guy who, you know, has sort of been a good utility player as sort of this, uh, you know, uh, guy who is on the cusp of the world championship, but not really all the way there. So I feel like you've kind of maximized what you've you've had with him as a babyface. Uh, having him join the uh, Undisputed Era as a heel, I think breathes new life into him, and of course, you know, provides a, a, a great temporary replacement for Bobby Fish. And it also puts Pete Dunne into a mm-hmm. a more solid role on NXT. And I was loving the team of Strong and Dunne. Watching that match, it was like, man, if these guys had a run, I think these guys could be the best tag team in this company, uh, regardless of roster. But uh, I think people were genuinely surprised by the end, and I think this is going to do more for Pete Dunne because it gives him a program now in NXT, which he has been lacking, um, save for the the Tyler Bate title switch, which that really was just presented as a title match and not so much a a program on on NXT certainly and on his social media uh, or somebody on social on the social media was teasing that they uh that he might possibly bring Mustache Mountain to help him against uh the undisputed era which I think would be tremendous so uh a great takeover you're not going to get any contradictory takes uh from us um Hard to judge if this was the best takeover but as you feel like were after, saying after every takeover somebody says it's the that's best the takeover. debate yeah so the I just I love these five match cards, and I think that there is something to really take away from that because this was the longest takeover ever at three hours. You certainly didn't feel it, and I did not watch this in one sitting, uh, but uh, to me, the length was of no issue, but I think kind of a great formula is five to six, really well-defined matches, a lot of contrasting personalities, and everything is important. Like, there's no, there was no downtime, and... Just a great show that um, there was never a dip. And that was something like what shows did we see this past weekend way where we could say that about where there wasn't some dip. It either went too long. They lost the audience like that pretty much was consistent across the board of all the shows we saw. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Oh, all I, right. I, by the way, I'm, yeah, we won't get into any, any uh, NXT spoilers, but um, it's there's something to <laughs> anyway. I I just read them, everybody. So in, in case you were going to um, text me about uh, something we just talked about, don't worry. I just read them. Well, what is it? Who cares? Okay. Well, uh, yeah. British Strong Style does reunite in NXT. Oh, well, there you and go. And that is the feud coming up. Oh, that's a great feud to have. Mm-hmm. So they can do a lot with that. All right. Um, uh, quickly, before we uh, go into SmackDown as well, I just want to make mention, I watched the, the 24 special on the Raw 25th anniversary and yeah, i wouldn't say this i is, watched most of it too yeah it was the parts i liked about it the most were the behind the scenes stuff of the early days where you're seeing vince uh, producing talent joking around with the crowd um and some of the production elements uh, behind it more so than the uh all the uh the ad nauseum of how this show the longest the longest running breath of air since God uh, breathed life into this world uh, show. But uh, beyond that, some of the production stuff I found interesting. I did too. I mean, I think it's always nice to get a glimpse of, you know, 
the juggernaut that is the WWE production house. And uh, to see like their uh, pre-production meeting with Vince at the head table and then everybody else, all the agents, all the directors, uh, all the various, you know, people involved in, in the creation of this whole thing. Um, it, it, it was a nice glimpse. And I think, of course, seeing all of the former talent walk into that Manhattan Center arena for the first time in, I don't know, tw- 20-something years was... yeah. With, with the contrasting clips to 93. That was cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed all that. Um, so, But again, you know, of course, it doesn't make much mention about a lot of the uh, complaints about the, the evening. Yes. About, about the, the lack. But this isn't, obviously, you can't really expect that type of criticism on a show. Yeah, but like I'm this. still going to criticize. I'm still going to criticize because I'm watching a documentary and I think this company at times, I think they are so scared to ever analyze themselves and like, think of this. Think of a way if you were producing a documentary on that day and you're with HBO or you're doing a 30 for 30 and you could go so many different ways. The Enzo thing happened that day. You had all the complaints at the Manhattan Center. Uh, this was not a smooth show. Like, there's so much reality there that, of course, the WWE is not going to be the author of, the, of telling that reality uh, in their own words. But if you were an independent filmmaker... There is so much to take from that chaotic day uh, that was supposed to be this big celebration. And uh, I would love to just have a sit down of like how difficult this was to produce a show from two different locations. And it wasn't a success. What was the aftermath of that? Like what was learned from that night? What were the fans at the Manhattan Center left with at the end of all of this? And of course, you're going to get a very nice bow tied upon a WWE production like this. But I'm just looking at it from the outside that, to me, the truth is way more fascinating. It is, yes, as is often the case in pro wrestling. But, I mean, we're talking about professional wrestling where the, the, the aim of the game is to, you know, accentuate the strengths and uh, hide the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Well, the weaknesses were hidden. They were not even existent uh, mm-hmm. in this documentary. Uh, what did you think of X-Pac's dog? With the broken jaw that he carries around. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, adorable. Uh, a heartwarming story. Lulu? Yeah. Um, and, and interesting to see him uh, introduce The Undertaker to it. Yeah, and The Undertaker nearly crushing it when he hugged X-Pac. Oh, I didn't see that. He hugs him and he's like, who's this? Yeah. And that's when he explains the backstory. I was like, dude, you just like hugged this guy with this sack on uh, on the front. I think I still have a bit of a... I'm still a little bit taken aback whenever I see The Undertaker out of character on camera because he's been so protective about that in, uh, all through, through the years. But on this show, you basically got Mark Calloway, you know, the, the guy who says, uh, you know, when, when he sees the Icor Pro banner for the first time, he's like, oh, that's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, or whatever. Like, and I don't, I'm, I mean, in my mind, The Undertaker is still The Undertaker, so I, I'm still a little bit taken aback by it. But, you know, maybe the, the guy is semi-retired right now, so maybe he's more willing to, you know, reveal. All right, into SmackDown we go. Their final night in New Orleans, fourth event in five nights at the Smoothie King Center. And Shane McMahon started the show. He said, tonight is the final exclamation on WrestleMania week. Thanks to fans on behalf of everyone and mentions Daniel Bryan's return. It was magical. He was born to do this. And Shane has graciously accepted Bryan's resignation because he is now back on the roster and introduces the new SmackDown general manager. Hulk page who comes out Hulk. 
I was saying that was what probably people were thinking when he, they went to announce the new general manager. I, I, I didn't for a second think that. Did you watch any of the Hall of Fame? I've only watched 20 minutes of it. No, I haven't. I haven't. That's still on the list. If if you want to read into something, and I'm not saying that this was uh, this guy necessarily um, putting someone else's words into his mouth. For all I know, it's it's very much he wanted this in there. But it's Devon Dudley who went out of his way in his speech to say that Hulk Hogan was the reason he wanted to be a pro wrestler and spoke to him at length. Interesting. I found, that, I, I found it very interesting hmm. that here you have a, a WWE producer who dedicated part of his speech to endorsing Hulk Hogan. Hmm. Anyway, Paige comes out, big reaction. Um, I think probably a, a surprise to many people that she was uh, placed in this role. And she said that after her speech last night, she walked into Shane McMahon backstage and she thanks him for giving her this position. The crowd again chanted, this is your house. And the shakeup is until next week, but she wants to make tonight special. Daniel Bryan has not had a TV match in over three years. And tonight he's going to have a match. And she milked it and waited. The crowd was chanting for Rusev. She paused. <laughs> then they moved on to AJ Styles like this was a Jedi mind trick. And she announced AJ Styles as the opponent for Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You don't want Rusev. You no, guys come want. on. Second come on. choice. Second choice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they believed AJ Styles would be a believable uh, choice here, but they did go with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, their first singles match since 2006. Their first singles match in the, in the WWE. Yes, because AJ, reti- uh, AJ debuted three weeks before Bryan's retirement. They literally like just missed each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, first, I mean, certainly uh, I think Paige being announced as the new GM of SmackDown is a surprise, but I think... Th- the fact that Daniel Bryan himself re- resigning as the SmackDown GM was a bit of a surprise as well. I think uh, everybody was wondering how active a performer Daniel Bryan would be after WrestleMania. Will he be a full-time wrestler or will he be a part-time wrestler while still maintaining his SmackDown managerial duties? And it looks like he is a, now a full-time performer wrestling every single week. We don't know if he's going to do the house show loops or not, but I think we can expect him at least to wrestle on every SmackDown. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I'm sure he wants to have a pretty active schedule. I'm sure a lot of people want to see him be a regular. I think that he his matches should be special occasions, but that is, when the WWE is not forced by a contract limitation, uh, they are going to typically use someone as much as they possibly can. And I think that with Brian, it's, um, he, he's going to have a, a regular role wrestling, I I. I would expect that he's going to do house shows, maybe a somewhat more of a limited schedule when it comes to house shows, but I think he'll be doing them. Yeah, it looks like it's what Brian wants. I mean, you know, uh, there's a there's a side of me that wonders with all the teasing of Daniel Bryan uh, prior to you know what 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 what's been what's occurred over the past couple months, all the teasing of him going over to a New Japan or to uh, I don't know some, uh, some other promotion. If you're the WWE, don't you? Wouldn't you want to get your full value out of him while you can so that by the time comes when his contract does run out and he potentially does want to leave, maybe he is, you know, a bit more, um, I guess, not not as as much of a kind of a surprise or like a special attraction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't so, know. Let me ask you this. So they did this uh, two-hour build for Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. It was also the SmackDown following WrestleMania. Raw did a very strong number on Monday. 
So Daniel Bryan's clearance a couple of weeks back did 2,888,000 viewers. Do you feel this week's will hit 3 million, which is a very elusive number for SmackDown? Uh, sorry, what was that number again? The uh, Bryan? D- Daniel Bryan's clearance that yep. day he was cleared, 2,888,000. I'm going to say uh, maybe just shy of three, but I think maybe around that, that range or a little bit higher. So you're saying 2.9, because that's what I was thinking too. I think it's going to come just shy of 3 million, but maybe could. This is probably their best chance to hit 3 million viewers with Brian's first match I, back and a big match too. If they wanted to hit three, I would have suggested them to announce the match beforehand, I think. At I, I kind of felt they should have just ran an ad for it on Raw. Yeah, in the afternoon at least or something like that, because this really was a marquee match. I mean, it's a match you could you could headline a WrestleMania with. Uh, to do it in two hours, whatever, you know, it's, they, they've done shit like this in the past. It, it, it's not maybe the the best decision, but it, for whatever reason, it's what they, they did. Um, so I, I'm curious to see, but I wouldn't necessarily, uh, pin the number, um, good or bad entirely on that match. No, but I think that if it does, you know, there's going to be a certain level of interest just because it's coming off of mania. I think yes. that'll attribute to it, but I would say, mm-hmm. um, I think if it, if it hits three or above, I think you you do have to credit that match and the mm-hmm. the buildup that at least for two hours, hopefully, um, getting the word out that that match is happening. I like Paige as the uh, GM. I think, and I also like the way they introduced this over the past twenty four hours. It, it was a nice surprise. It was a nice um, last night. I mean, she essentially turned babyface from her role in Absolution, disbanding Absolution. Uh, and here tonight uh, came out as a babyface GM. I th- and it was a very sad segment on Raw. Like, you very much felt at the end of it that she might be leaving permanently. Like, there may not be a role for her, and uh, yeah. evidently a very big role for her. Over the course of 24 hours, they made us feel sympathy for her, and then they reintroduced her her comeback uh, in this new role. And I, I, I like her in the role. I'm excited to see what she does. I think she's a very natural and comfortable speaker, somebody who's able to deliver her lines very well. And I think, you know, somebody that you want to be to put on TV ahead of this uh, rock movie coming out. Um, For those in Canada, next week's episode of SmackDown will be preempted due to the NHL playoffs. So instead of watching on Sportsnet 360, you're going to have to watch it on their online uh, streaming portal, Sportsnet Now. So programming note there for Canadian viewers. Also this Thursday way, the WrestleMania virtual reality experience will be available if you've got seven hours available the whole show in vr i i don't know if it's the whole show maybe it's just portions oh okay um yeah maybe i'll check that out it's an unlikely the usos versus xavier woods and biggie winners will face the bludgeon brothers at the greatest royal rumble Mm -hmm. i learned a lesson on tuesday smackdown it's that if you're a champion that loses their title, best to do it on Raw rather than SmackDown because evidently on this show, you do not get your automatic rematch clause. You have to work for that rematch. Unlike The Miz, who was pinned, by the way, in his three-way, he gets a rematch at his choosing. Tonight, we had the Usos and we had Randy Orton who all had to win matches to get their rematches. Hmm. A lot of inconsistencies here in the contracts. Hmm. Yeah, well, hmm. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a slightly different rule set here. Smackdown. You know what, you know what I learned on Tuesday? No. 
Seth Rollins, former United States champion. Oh, oh, you don't say. Yeah. No one contacted me, though. I, I figured it out. I, I thought <laughs> someone would bring it up, though. <laughs> they attacked Jay with the uni- unicorn stampede, went through a commercial break. Biggie speared Jimmy through the, the ropes to the floor. Been just long enough for me to remember how insane this move is. Uh, Big E did a urinagi into the double knees by Woods. That looked really cool. And then a double super kick was delivered to Big E, then one to Woods, and Jay hit a splash off the top, pinning Xavier Woods after E had been sent to the floor. And the Usos win. They will face the Bludgeon Brothers at the greatest Royal Rumble on April 27th. And the Bludgeon Brothers came out and pointed their mallets in the direction of the Usos. Mm -hmm. Good match as usual between these two teams. Um, I found that they, it was almost as if they were making up for Sunday's match or lack thereof. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this might be the last time we see this pairing for a little while, the Usos and the New Day, because I expect one of those teams to move, uh, particularly the Usos. But how, how does the shakeup affect this and how, how does it affect the, uh, this greatest Royal Rumble match? Or it's show? very it's very awkward because you're promoting not just one, but two pay-per-views coming up and setting up title matches. So theoretically it kind of handicaps you to draft certain guys, which you could always do. And you could tease the idea. They're going to take the titles. Um, but it just gets very complicated when you're trying to promote these matches. And what do you do? Do you draft the Usos while they're still due for a SmackDown title match in two weeks time? Mm -hmm. I don't Um, know. Same, same with Randy Orton going for, well, I guess it's, it's easier for the non-brand specific titles. Like you challenge for the U.S. title, you can take that with you. But when you have the SmackDown tag titles, it's just very weird to have mm-hmm. them. I, I almost think that it's maybe easier just not to draft them. If you're going to move someone, maybe the New Day just goes right back to Raw. That's that's maybe what this means too. Could be. Naomi is with her trophy earlier in the day. And she's interviewed by Dasha. She talks about the great honor it was to win this um, this trophy. She was interrupted by Natalia, and Naomi was the least favorite pick to win, Natalia says, and she was the disappointment of the night, according to Twitter, which I disagree with. And Natalia says, Neon is so seventh grade, and this leads to Naomi setting up a match with Natty, who is not interested in this match, and Naomi tells her to stop whining like a seventh grader. Um, I whine occasionally. I'm not in the seventh grade. No. Uh, lots of people whine. More adults than children sometimes, actually. Oh, my God. Wrestling fans, are you kidding me? That's, what, that's all we do. Yeah. Apparently, Edge brought up that he received a lot of criticism that they were chosen to induct the Dudley Boys rather than Paul Heyman. I have not heard one person make that complaint, but I'm sure they exist out there. Which, again, some of these wrestlers need to get off Twitter. It clearly is just doing... Who's complaining? Apparently, I mean, people enough that he brought it up in a Hall of Fame speech. Wow, really? Wouldn't and he the just du- cut a pro- he cut a promo on internet fans? Wouldn't the du- didn't the Dudleys choose or no? Like, did somebody choose for it? For it? Okay, whatever. Who cares? It's it's always kind of usually. Well, so, some get to pick theirs. Others, mm. like Jerry Lawler, were told, "No, Lance Russell's not inducting you. We've got William Shatner booked." So it all mm. depends on who they have in mind. But uh, by the way, Edge and Christian, they're. I've only seen the induction for the Dudleys, but Edge and Christian were very, very funny. Okay, cool. So that's our Hall of Fame report. Natalia and Naomi. Uh, Tom Phillips notes that victories are pivotal this week before the superstar shakeup, which, as I recall from last year, we just got random people showing up on each show. Yep. So I guess 
I guess this year we're going to have the same thing where we're not going to have any rhyme or reason for why people are showing up. They just are. Uh, the GMs are not going to have any kind of negotiations. They're not. It's not a blind draw. It's strategic. So I guess in that sense, the wins are important. But mm-hmm. I hope they do a better job than they did last year because they were all just just people walked out. It just, to me, felt like a very lazy approach to what could be a very uh, something more interesting. Well, I usually like when they do the draft shows where everybody in the roster kind of, you know, you you see their anticipation where they don't know where they're going to end up. I would love to have uh, something similar where you have both locker rooms backstage and people don't know where they're going to end up. And oftentimes that being reality and not just fiction, uh, it feels much more kind of uh, exciting when it's done that way versus how they did it last year. Natalia was draped on the middle rope, knocked to the floor, went through a commercial. There was a wheelbarrow into a stunner by Naomi. Natalia hit a spinning sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Sharpshooter was blocked. Then Naomi drops her with a kick, hits a split-legged moonsault for the win, and then goes and hugs her trophy. That looks like plastic, by the way. Uh, I wonder. I wonder what it, what it's actually made of. I doubt. I mean, I'm sure it's heavy. It's quite large, but... Were they selling these trophies in the access store when they, you scouted it no they were not i'm shocked actually oh my god this trophy are you kidding me well the andre one or this one i i'm surprised they're not selling these trophies it's, it's I, I you know there there are collectors that will purchase these i mean i saw i mean they sell the slammy awards which i think is kind of cool they also sell like urns everything <laughs> urns like like urns yeah for the yeah. undertaker yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of curious. Like, I'm not even the gold urn, but like, like a new colored urn with the Undertaker logo. And uh, mm, I don't know. I don't know about displaying that. In you know, in the history of that of that merchandise item, someone's been taking it home on a subway and has been told condolences by somebody. <laughs> I guarantee you, in the history of that item, somebody has actually put ashes in it. <laughs> Jesus. Tom Phillips plugs the dream match from Sunday between Styles and Nakamura that, quote, lived up to the hype. Well. Reached an exceeded way. Yeah, you can, yeah, to some people, sure. If, if the hype was, was that of a SmackDown main event, then sure. I haven't heard anyone say that, say that until you have suggested it. Renee Young is outside Nakamura's dressing room. He walks out, and she calls it reprehensible and heinous, his attack on AJ from Sunday. And Nakamura says in like the greatest delivery ever, I don't know what came over me. Maybe I got too emotional. I'm very sorry for what I did. And he had just this awesome look on his face. And Renee, one of the only times they've given the announcer like some actual ammunition here to fire back at, says, clearly you are being very disingenuous and demands an explanation. And Nakamura says, sorry, no speak English and walked off. This was the yeah. best promo ever from Nakamura. It was amazing. I love this. Like uh, seriously, again from from the past couple weeks on, something changed. You know, some oh. somewhere something changed. Whether it be maybe he's gotten new dialogue or maybe uh, I I don't know. Maybe just it's something just unlocked within him so that now he can actually deliver these English lines very clearly. And also with a great deal of personality, the, the, the exact type of personality that I think we've come to expect from somebody like a Shinsuke Nakamura. He's managed to find it now with his English promo. So 
Uh, I was very happy to see this. He looked like such a badass here, you know? Oh, like, I'm, I'm so pumped for this heel run. I think he's going to be outstanding. Uh, and we didn't get to see, we didn't get an answer tonight, but I am curious what they do with his theme music. If they just feel that ah, it's, it's a hot song, we're keeping it with him, or they they alter it. They need like maybe like a dubstep version of it to <laughs> really screw with people. That would be wonderful. Yeah, uh, uh, I, yeah. It, it, that's to me the biggest takeaway from the match on Sunday. It's it got him into this position that I think ultimately um, is going to be the best for his run on uh, whether it's SmackDown or Raw. I get the sense he'll stay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's up to. I yeah, he's got plenty of people to feud with on SmackDown, so I assume that that might be where he's staying. Um, but you know, I really like this new Nakamura. He's starting to show some real personality as this asshole who just loves screwing with people, and when he needs it, he'll even pull out the bad English to screw with you. So I thought he looked really cool here. Charlotte came out for the next segment and put over the match with Asuka as the toughest of her career, but the queen is still the champion, and she left everything in that stadium with Asuka. It was special. It was magic. Who will we make magic with next? And she's interrupted by Billy Kay and Peyton Royce as the crowd chanted NXT. Royce cuts a promo that if she's looking for magic, they are the wizards, and they can take that title and make it disappear from around her waist. And then talk about her match at WrestleMania. And Billy says, it was good. Not bad. <laughs> and uh, they are not being called simply iconic or even the iconic duo. They're being called the Iconics, as the mm-hmm. graphic read. And Royce started mocking Charlotte's promo of all the people she was thanking. Thanking the Uber driver. Thank you to the air for allowing me to breathe. And the audience just thought this was the best thing. And they just applauded. It led to a chant for uh, Iconic. And they are the future. And then they attacked Charlotte. Uh, before we get into the physical uh, element, I don't think they could have hit it out of the park any more than with this promo that the two of them cut. I completely agree. They both like the, hi- the highlights of the call-ups for me. Mm, trying to think of who. Yeah. I w- no I w- way, Jose, Ember Moon, and the authors. I would agree. I would agree. I thought they looked fantastic here. I think both it gave off such a star quality about them. They sounded great on the mic. And the ensuing beatdown was good, too. Yeah, these two were ready for a while. I'm glad that they're up. I also like that they were the only call-ups on this show. That would be my negative on Raw, was that between the returns and the call-ups, there was just too much on that show. And here, there was there were several big things on the show, but they were the lone new faces that were appearing. Yeah, sure. I know that's kind of an oxymoron because it's uh, two people, but you get my drift here. Mm -hmm. The newest act. Um, They were great here. They beat down Charlotte, clipped her knee, and then Charlotte fought back. She had this awkward exchange trying to send Peyton Royce to the floor, but got her there. Billy hit the shades of K, and then Charlotte was thrown over the desk, run into the the steps, double-team powerbomb, and they dragged her into the ring, posing over top, and they leave. And then... Carmella's music hits. Place goes nuts. The crowd knew it from the beginning. The crowd was already chanting Carmella as soon as they laid hands on Charlotte. Psychic crowd. Yeah. Too smart. Too smart for their own good. Well, apparently all the brains were dispersed amongst the audience because God knows Mike Kyoto wasn't occupying any of them. He was so confused by what Carmella was trying to do. He had this dumb look on his face, and it was just so painfully slow as he tried to figure out what this briefcase is for before finally starting the match. Painful, but, I mean, 
pain, like it was Kyoto milking this, this, uh, this, this moment. You know, just him saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Just really playing with the delay. Uh, obviously, it was intentional and probably Mike Kyoto's mm, one of one of the referee's few chances to really, uh, you know, play with the audience's emotions like this. Carmella super kicked Charlotte and pinned her in eight seconds to become the new women's champion. So Oscar's streak is done. Charlotte has lost the title. Uh, do you have any different opinion? on Sunday's outcome um, after seeing this, or do you see this as Charlotte is still being, is still going to be the key uh, female on whatever brand she is on? Yeah. This could also be getting her to raw as well. Mm, I I, I feel like Charlotte needs to get her revenge. I feel like uh, seeing this, I think I feel like I can understand their logic behind ending Osaka's streak actually a little bit better. Let's say, I mean, it seems to me like they had to have Carmella cash in at some point, right? And the end goal is for Carmella to win the championship in order for them to decide to make Carmella, I suppose. And let's say Asuka won on Sunday. Then you're going to have to have Carmella cash in on Asuka. And what's worse, for Carmella to beat Charlotte, who's lost before, or to Car- or for Carmella to end Asuka's streak via Money in the Bank cash in? I think, I or, think- or Asuka kills her. Well, they want the belt on Carmella. That's you know? so. If you're going to do that, then I could see them wanting to give that value to somebody serious like a Charlotte, uh, defeating Oscar for her streak, rather than giving it to Carmella. Who, even if you have Carmella beat Oscar for her streak, she's still just Carmella, and she's not going to have those incredible matches. Uh, that value was kind of wasted on her. She doesn't need it. Whereas a Charlotte could actually use it. So that's my what I think their logic was. Yeah, I would say regardless, if you, I, I think you have to see where they are ultimately going. I think the idea of keeping Charlotte and Ronda undefeated, if that is the big match for next year, and we don't know that it is, but to me, that would be the justification for ending Oscar's streak. Um, mm. You need to occupy Charlotte with a chase, and mm-hmm. uh, you're just not going to have her go undefeated for a year. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I'm not even uh, sure you'll you'll see Ronda go undefeated. You know, we don't even know Maybe how not. often how often Ronda will wrestle. I mean, I think we all want to see undefeated streaks culminate at some point into like an undefeated streak versus undefeated streak. But perhaps for the, the WWE, it's just not realistic with the number of shows that they put on, um, with all the house shows that they put on and doing shit like the Mixed Match Challenge where all this all the streaks are always on the line. It it kind of makes things maybe perhaps a little too predictable for their liking. Uh, so maybe maybe they choose not to do undefeated streaks. And I would say six months from now, we can look back and and better assess ending Oscar's streak. Mm-hmm. And maybe there will be an argument that was that the time to put Oscar over in the Royal Rumble and, and go in. Maybe there was something else he could have done better with her to uh, keep that streak going. But but, but as I, a- I don't think this is an indictment of that decision, This this title change. Yeah, as a segment itself on SmackDown, I thought it provided very good payoff for Carmella's Money in the Bank win. She they they called her the longest, the person who's held the Money in the Bank the longest, and uh, certainly it felt like a long time. But I, I thought the payoff was good. You put a lot of heat on the iconic duo for causing this, um, and all all in all, I would say you know a lot of people benefited from this. 
you have a lot of programs for Charlotte, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, is an argument that she should not be drafted after you've shot all these angles. So Mm -hmm. she's got three prospective opponents um, immediately um, coming out of this night. Jinder Mahal was with Sunil Singh ringside on a carpet uh, with with a chair out there. And it was Bobby Roode, Rusev, and Randy Orton three-way. And the winner will get a United States title match at Backlash. So you've got to keep track of all these title matches between the two shows that are coming up over the next month. Rusev stomped down on Roode, goes onto the floor. Orton drops Rusev back first on the desk. Then he's in with Roode. See a power slam. And then Orton snaps his neck and lands on the floor into a suplex by Rusev. So he gets dropped onto the desk Crowd enjoyed Rusev as he fired up on Rude, hit a Machka kick, goes for the accolade, accolade, the accolade, and is broken up by Orton, who is sending him into the post. RKO to Rude, and Randy Orton wins, pinning Bobby Rude. So it's Jinder Mahal against Randy Orton, the feud that's back from the dead, taking place at Backlash next month. I can't wait. We got a month of these two programs together. At this point, I mean, I'm almost convinced that they're purposely ignoring Rusev uh, and trolling the audience in order to give him the Daniel Bryan push. They gave, they simply gave Rusev way too much shine in this match for it to be unintentional. He was portrayed in this match, like the star and the main focus. And here comes Randy Orton, you know, the man that I would say, if you're a fan of Rusev, I don't know how you might feel about Randy Orton, but I'll tell you for me, he is, (laughs) he is probably the person I, I, I care about the least in this match. So for him to to win the match and to redo the shitty feud that was Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal, I think only breeds contempt in your audience and therefore more uh, uh more more sympathy for for somebody like Rusev. Remains to be seen how far you can go with a push like that if that is their intent. Because I mean, they've had a lot of chances to capitalize on this Rusev thing, and they for whatever reason are choosing to delay it. Um, and I, I, they definitely do run the risk of killing it. If you were a betting man way and you had to bet your car on six months from now, Rusev being closer to Daniel Bryan or Bailey, which would it be? <laughs> if I had to bet my car, your car, um, well, I and would... you can't, and you can't empty the car either with any of your personal belongings inside either. It's, oh, it's God. as is. Well, I don't have much in there. I have like a back, like a Nobis form. That I'm quite fond of. Gone. Oh, no. Well, then I would probably say Bailey. Okay. That's my concern. Yeah. So, Jinder and Randy. Hey, this was the weekend. If you wanted to do the the Rusev uh, big win, like, this really would have been the weekend. Uh, The man was very over. And I I wonder. I wonder if you'll get that again sometime soon. Do you know on April 10th, 2000, 18 years ago today, was the relaunch of... WCW with Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo. The relaunch of what? When they did uh, the return of Bischoff and Russo oh, together yes, to yes. kickstart WCW. Oh, boy. Yes. So, so on April 10th of 2000, it's Russo Day. There's a <laughs> shot for him. <laughs> there you go, Vince. That's yeah. That's... You're relevant again. Congratulations, Vince. That's on the back of the shirt. Dasha interviewed Carmella. She says, when a queen overstays their welcome, there is always a princess waiting to dethrone them, which is not exactly how kingdoms work. But anyway, she was patient, waited for the perfect time to cash in, and then she pretends that she's about to cry and get emotional. 
And she just says, I really want to thank somebody. Me! She made history all by herself. And she says, Mela is money, and now Mela has the gold. Very, uh, very much an Alexa Bliss style of a swerve during this promo. That's yeah. what I'm going to compare it to here. But I thought, you know, fine promo from Carmella. I think that's what uh, a lot of people are going to compare it to. Um, and not done quite as well as I would say Alexa has done these uh, on many occasions. That said, though, I think Carmella is very good uh, as a speaker. In ring, I have a lot of concern. Uh, so I anticipate this championship run to be mm, to be a little difficult in trying to portray her as any type of uh, in ring threat or serious competitor. Uh, she definitely does seem like the type that will you know uh, weasel her way through victories and. I really do wish she still had James Ellsworth with her because I think uh, as a champion, she needs somebody like that as part of the act. Uh, as a solo, um, I'm curious to see what they do because I hope uh, you know this isn't just a wasted championship reign and that she actually gains co- uh, quite a bit of value out of this. Who would think two years ago we would say, one of the most puzzling WWE releases of late <laughs> was James Ellsworth. Like, right, he really did add something mm-hmm. to the Carmella presentation. Least that of which I, being credibility for her. Yeah. I think that there was a lot to be had there. And then uh, moved on to facing Matt Riddle this past weekend. I know. Which show was that? Was that Joey Janela's show? Yes, it was. Yes. It was. I cannot keep these shows straight. AJ's interviewed by Renee. Nakamura is not his concern tonight. He never imagined he would face Daniel Bryan in a WWE ring. Daniel's great, but he's not phenomenal. Styles versus Daniel Bryan. And the match begins, and Bryan snaps the left arm of AJ and transitions to a hammerlock. Styles stops it with a back elbow, lands a drop kick, and then there's a dragon screw leg whip delivered to the left knee of Bryan, which he would sell throughout the rest of the match. He did the moonsault onto his feet, and his knee buckled from that, and then Styles goes after the knee. Bryan does a suplex into an arm bar, and then turns over. He's free. AJ gets the calf crusher applied, and then it, that's reversed into a yes lock. I thought some of the, on a technical level, this was one of the, one of the strongest TV matches I've seen from the WWE in a long time. It also gave you a glimpse of, you know, how Brian might have changed his style. And certainly, like, he's done a lot of this type of change. Like, the guy and kind of was an innovator of a lot of, a lot of this stuff that, that we currently see. Um, but I feel like less so in the WWE. Uh, so I wonder if he will be relying more on that uh, in this current run. This was a super entertaining, but also safe. ultra safe, safe match. Yes. Uh, Pele kick delivered to Brian. Brian then lands a head kick after Styles teases the phenomenal forearm. He goes for the running knee, which is countered into the Styles clash for an attempt. And Brian counters that into the yes lock, getting the rope break. And then Styles reverses a suplex coming off the top. And Brian crashes his head into the mat, which now he can sell a concussion every time he does anything uh, impactful. And he's grabbing his head. And then Nakamura appears, delivers a Kinshasa to Brian. And then low blows AJ, gives him a Kinshasa, second low blow to AJ, and Nakamura leaves to close the show. Uh, I had no problem with a non-finish here. I thought they had a really great main event, uh, left it open-ended, and yeah, I thought this was a really, really strong... I like this a lot more than Raw on Monday. Some, sometimes I wonder if you and I have been watching too much wrestling together because we, we're, we're like agreeing on a lot of stuff oh, God. On, on this show. Uh, main uh, event sucked. <laughs> 
I agree with you, man. I mean, I thought... I Who would have thought, like, Nakamura, Shinsuke Nakamura, the guy who dudes have been dressing up as? By the way, the <laughs> the Nakamura impersonator that we were talking about seeing at the WrestleMania block party before... Uh, so great. WrestleMania on, on Sunday wasn't just any Nakamura impersonator. It was the Nakamura <laughs> impersonator. Who we saw hanging out in the crowd taking photos with everybody was Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, of DDT fame and of just a lot of uh, other Japanese wrestling fame. This this man like makes a living off of impersonating Shinsuke, and he I he is incredible. Please look up Shinsuke C H I N S U K Nakamura and enjoy. Um, but anyway, Nakamura here coming out ruining the match. What a way to get heat, you know? Uh, a Kinshasa on Daniel Bryan's head. Uh, what a way to get heat, and. I thought it totally worked. That really is your main program that, you know, we look like we're, looks like we're going to get to next. Uh, a rematch between AJ and Shinsuke as a heel. And down the line, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, which I think everybody could salivate over. Now, of all these three, I I see the most likely of the three. If you are going to draft one of them, I could see Bryan going to Raw, though. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I could see that as a very likely possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was SmackDown. I thought a really good show. Um, good end to, uh, well, it wasn't the end of their week because we still had 205 Live to go. Yeah. But I thought this was a significantly more enjoyable show than Raw the night prior. Uh, again, I agree with you. Uh, I thought Raw delivered a, a lot, many more surprises. But I think as like a viewing experience with good quality wrestling attached to it, uh, SmackDown certainly had fewer surprises. Uh, I won't even say that because, okay, we got the iconic duo. And then we got a Money in the Bank cash-in. So what more could you want from a two-hour show? Plus, You, you got had- enough. And they, uh, to me, they, you had like, you had really like four big things on the show with Paige, with the Iconic mm-hmm. showing up, the title change, and Brian against Styles. And yeah. I thought they were all paced very well. They, they all registered. I think you could instantly recall this show. If you were to go up to someone and say, hey, what happened on SmackDown Tuesday? I think you could easily recall mm-hmm. off the top of your head the key things that i just listed whereas raw i feel it was like a laundry list of things that happened that by the end of it it felt like it was a oh well i'm not going to go so far as to say it was like a, a tribute to a old wcw show well, let's not go that far but yeah. it was just there was a lot after three hours of raw that i mean things felt secondary i would say like the the, the level of the raw surprises weren't really as i didn't perhaps have as many major ramifications as the ones on smackdown here you had a new world champion and you had aj styles versus daniel bryan which i think to me is is a big deal plus the announcement of a new gm so all in all i i thought smackdown was a better show we go on to 205 live and off the top, Vic Joseph announces that Nigel McGuinness is away. He will return in two weeks, but joining the 205 Live broadcast team permanently is Percy Watson. I will say this about Percy. I know he got a lot of uh, complaints when he was first added to NXT, but I think he has um, transitioned into the role, I'll say adequately. I don't think this guy is some revelation on commentary. I don't think he's one of the best uh, color commentators that is out there, but I think he is passable. Certainly, yes. Um, I don't think he's the worst on the WWE roster. Um, you might have Jonathan Coachman for that. Um, but I I would say on this show, uh, solo, without Nigel there, I was actually quite impressed. The man clearly has done a lot of research. He, watched, he says he watches 205 Live week to week, and I thought he provided... Uh, well, I, don't, I, I mean, I, I think I prefer Nigel, but I, I, don't, I didn't dislike Percy at all. 
Yeah, I thought he was fine on this show. Mm-hmm. Kalisto versus Akira Tozawa was first. They plugged a tornado tag match for next week with Atami and Tozawa against Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. Um, the unfortunate part of these matches on 205 Live was this audience was checked out. Um, oh, my God. Per- on this week? Well, yeah. I mean, this was this was a tough spot for this yeah, show. This, <laughs> the, the audience was nearly dead, as we'll get to later on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Kalisto stops him on the top rope, climbs and hits a Spanish fly while bouncing off the top rope and got a two count from that. Uh, Tozawa, uh, Kalisto ran at Tozawa into a monkey flip into the corner. Kalisto selling his knee. Then there was a somersault off the apron by Tozawa. And this started to get a few audience members going. And I would, I say a few because if it was 10 or less, I could believe that he continued to attack Kalisto's knee. Um, Kalisto got his knees up on a senton attempt and then injured his knee in the process of blocking it, but then made his comeback, blocked a Hurricane Rana, uh, Tozawa did, and then Kalisto bridged from underneath, ducked the clothesline, Salida Del Sol for the win, 11 minutes, 18 seconds. You know, fine match, but man, was this just a departure from so many of the matches you have seen uh, this, mm. this weekend. And I'm sorry, like, crowd heat is obviously a big part of the match, and this just felt like a match with no consequences. That was just filling up television time. That's what this felt like. I, I found it tough myself to to try to follow this match. I found myself very getting very tired here. Um, but you know, even even in the days, you you could tell this was a very good match. These two are both very talented, but yeah, unfortunately, the crowd wasn't much. Uh, didn't have much energy. The star power of these two following Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles, following WrestleMania, following Takeover, following everything else. It was uh it was a challenge. So it's you know, the crowd uh wasn't really there for it, but they also didn't shit on this either. Um at least no. not. that would no. be um the next match. There was not an active rejection of this match. Yeah. Uh now is gonna be a tough trial for them because the tournament is over. You don't have that mm-hmm. that goal you are working towards, that destination. Now you now they're just kind of reverting to a traditional show. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think 205 Live is going to be tested again to maintain interest. Mark Andrews was in the locker room. Tony Nese walked in. He said Drew Gulak used to be his friend, but he's an egomaniac and he wants to get vengeance on Gulak. And Andrews needs to go out there and kick his ass. Gulak comes out. He has heard the people's concerns and asks who is ready for a PowerPoint presentation. This got a mild pop. There was some chance of PowerPoint. He says the answer is any time but now. He is uh, he is ready for Mark Andrews, who he calls the pop rock dimwit. He's a submission specialist and a Microsoft Word aficionado, and he will tap you out. So it's kind of like a middle ground between the old character and the submission specialist that Gulak is kind of incorporating yeah. now it's the personality and and color of the previous character plus the seriousness of the shooter character drew gulak versus mark andrews the unofficial main event of wrestlemania week the final match we would see andrews was shoved from the apron back first into the post grabbed his neck and this began gulak's long attack on the neck with a cravat applied a headlock andrews escaped Hidden an Inziguri and a springboard crossbody, followed by a standing corkscrew for a two count. Did a crucifix slam that Vic thought he might have picked up at a mosh pit somewhere. I don't know what mosh pits uh, Vic Joseph has attended. 
Gulak hit a clothesline to the back of the neck, and this crowd went nuts. And I was like, wow, was that just like the greatest lariat that they've ever seen? But then I noticed that they were all standing and none were looking at the ring. This was so blatant that I think every single person at home had to go on Twitter and type in 205 Live crowd and see what was going on. And boy, was there a payoff here. A a gentleman on the floor was leaned back like his soul had departed his body. And he was so off-putting that security came to check on his well-being. And the audience was concerned that he was dead and started chanting for him. And then he was woken up for the biggest pop on 205 Live tonight. Probably one of the biggest pops of the night. Life always is over. They were chanting, let him sleep, let him sleep. And then they were also chanting, he's alive, he's alive, or he's awake or something. Um, uh, I guess that's a first, isn't it? Um, The first time a a, a sleeping fan has been given so much attention. Um, I'm surprised it took this long on 205 Live, but I, I can I, you imagine if, like, thankfully, of course, the the man was just asleep. But could you have imagined the worst? Like, first of all, oh it sounds God. like a, a kayfabe news headline. But secondly, I mean, a man dies long, during 205 Live. Oh my God! I don't think we'd be able, in good taste, to ever say a crowd is dead oh. for at least a couple months. I mean, it would be kind of just disrespectful. Oh man. So that would make this the most dangerous show on the WWE network. It wouldn't be called 205 Live. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Gulak runs it. The man's fine, everybody. He's fine. He's fine. Gulak runs him into the turnbuckle and applies the Gulak for the win in 10 and a half minutes. Uh, these these guys are just doomed. Oh, they were this just was doomed. T- yeah, this, like there was just no coming back from this. This was a tough one to focus on too. I'm I'm talking about for me at home. It 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 was impossible. Yeah, I know. And come on, like what what do they have to lose by starting the the evening with the with this show? You put this on before SmackDown, and I think everybody would be happy. The wrestlers would be happy. The guy sleeping would be happy. Uh, there's, there's no, what is the reason? Do they feel like they will exhaust this crowd for Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles? I guarantee you that dude won't, would be sleeping during that. So why, 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 why not just change? It's also just a statement on just how these performers are perceived. Like there are, they are not perceived as stars for the, for the most part. Like how many shows this weekend went longer than two hours? Like every single one. It's not so much just the time, but it's also the context. Like Akira Tozawa taking on Kalisto. Why? Like if there was a time when, you know, five years ago on a WWE show, that sounds like a great match. That sounds really cool. And today, think of all the good matches you see every single week. It's insane. Like there's certainly a spoiler, uh, spoiled factor to all of this, that you're seeing so much good wrestling. But that's what wrestling is today. It's great mm-hmm. wrestling over and over and just doing a match. That's not going to grab interest, especially with people that are not stars. So I don't even think it's necessarily the length of these tapings. It's just the fact these are not generally stars to any of these people. And yeah, it's it's an argument to just put them on earlier in the night where you can get by with just a hot match when the crowd should be at their most uh, approving. Mm. 
he he reapplied the gulak to Andrews. Tony Nice ran down for the save, so we'll get that match maybe next week even. Drake Maverick's backstage, and he meets with Jack Gallagher and the returning Brian Kendrick, who has been cleared after his uh, his orbital break uh, back around Christmas time with Hideo Itami. They are going to have a tag match next week, and he wants to make sure they don't have a vendetta with Hideo Itami. Gallagher says that that is beneath them, and Kendrick says in a very disingenuous tone that it's water under the bridge. Wow. The, uh, the R- Ronda Rousey coaching Yes. Brian Kendrick. That's right. That should be the new character. Hey, he should... I made her. He's oh the new my Edmund. God. The, the Edmund. Yeah. The new Edmund. Yeah. Drake Maverick comes up for the final segment. He calls it the best weekend in WWE. This man is just so happy. Well, he woke me right up. Like, he comes out full of energy. Uh, great. It's contagious. Yeah. Yes. Got to see him at Wally Mania, actually, on Thursday. Oh. Yeah. It's hard to miss him with his, his suit. Uh, he says there's nothing more proud of him, for him than being the 205 Live general manager. He brings out Cedric Alexander, the crowd's chanting, you deserve it. He thanks everyone on behalf of his family. And one guy, one guy yells, you're welcome. <laughs> Mustafa Ali then comes out and they try to get a chant going for him. He says that Cedric didn't just deserve it. He earned it. The crowd is chanting one more match. Ali says he's part of the very long line of challengers that want to get at Cedric's title. And then Buddy Murphy's music hits. Drake Maverick and Mustafa Ali turn their backs to the entrance. And Buddy Murphy jumps Cedric from the crowd, struggles, but hits Murphy's law. And somehow Ali and Maverick didn't hear this at all. And then they turn around to find Cedric laid out. And Maverick yells at Buddy Murphy and calls him a disgrace Mm -hmm. to end the show. So that looks to be our next... Cruiserweight title challenger, Buddy Murphy. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate that uh, the Murphy's Law was a little bit screwed up here. It's oh, I, I was worried he was going to panic and dump this guy on his neck, but he did land yeah. it safely. It is, it's the second week that I feel like he's kind of screwed it up. It's a tough move to apply uh, and, and with a large margin of error. So um, I've no, I told but, you, with a, with a name like that, you're asking for trouble. Absolutely, yeah. But when it's done properly, it's, it's a spectacular finish. So um, I'm, I don't know how much you can do about that, but um, uh, anyway. Let's it's it's it was sort of sort of the one sore spot of this segment, which I thought all in all came together pretty well. It's a for me though. I mean, again, like I thought, a talking segment certainly came across a lot better than a match to this uh, audience. Uh, but it, this was still a challenge for me too, and I am quite concerned for Two Five Live because I don't feel like it's as fresh as it was uh, when the tournament tournament occurred and we saw a bunch of new faces with something to, to move towards buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander, I think will be a great match. But if you ask me if I wasn't covering this stuff, am I going to stay tuned after SmackDown to watch it? I don't think so. It's, it's simply not big enough. Um, and I don't know how, how, how big it, it is to your casual viewer. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I'm back to my, 205 live being on trial phase yeah, so me too. i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a few weeks but we will see uh, where this goes I've, i thought it was kind of a disappointing show tonight uh let's go to the feedback thread forum.postwrestling.com scale of one to ten tonight's smackdown uh, i was just asking people to rate tonight's smackdown it got a 7.92 wow that might that's be a, the highest we've ever had anything voted. pretty favorable wow. show it's almost i disagree yeah 
All right, into the feedback we go. Steven writes, awesome show. Welcome back, Paige. Nakamura's interference was clear when they announced the match. Loved the match nevertheless. Very possible that AJ and Brian will end up on different shows next week. I can certainly see that. Billy and Peyton debut was nice, and finally Carmella cashed in. I feel the first Money in the Bank winner needs to have a successful cash-in, and damn was her her squicking perfectly I think squeaking is what he meant. Perfectly annoying. Only downside is that we're getting Orton versus gender again. Can't wait for the Punjabi prison match in 2018. We go to Mr. Mulligan who says, welcome home, John and way. I'm good. Thank to you. S- good to see pages. GM tonight's SmackDown was okay, but there were things I just didn't get. I really enjoyed Royce and Kay's beatdown of Charlotte, but why have Carmella cash in? Charlotte was looking stronger than ever after ending Asuka's streak, and the booking ruined what I feel would have been a superior story. The AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match I felt was oddly booked. This is a match people talked about seeing in the WWE, even when there was little chance of Bryan ever returning to the ring. I don't like that it was booked to build even more heat on Shinsuke, but I think I see where they could be going with this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see people's complaints about Charlotte, but... In a lot of people's minds, like a Money in the Bank cash-in win is not a legitimate win, you know? Uh, It is in the record books, I suppose, but Charlotte still comes across to me as unbeatable in a one-on-one matchup, and that's ultimately, I think, what all all you could ask for 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 a babyface. I didn't have as much of an issue with it. Hey, something I was going to bring up to you. It hasn't been announced yet for the Saudi Arabia card, but if they were to do... Styles and Nakamura on that show, which that title will be defended. Mm-hmm. It is possible that both the Raw and SmackDown title matches could be better on that show than they were at WrestleMania. I, I think by a pretty decent shot. Uh, what do you think the Raw championship would be? Well, it's Lesnar and Reigns. Oh, so you you're saying it. you're saying the rematches would be better the rematches, on that Rematches, yeah, yeah. I'm saying Lesnar and Reigns, granted it's in the cage, and then I I, I think Styles and Nakamura especially kind of now with the heel dynamic, like I really feel those two will go out because I guarantee you those two were as disappointed as everyone else was with their, mm-hmm. with their match on Sunday, that they will come out that much more motivated yeah. in their rematch. That Absolutely. How many I think pe- the rematch is going to be tremendous. How many people in the, uh, in that arena? Um, I, th- I think it's around 50 to 60,000. It's somewhere in that like big wow. stadium. That is crazy. Like two stadium shows in one month. That's nuts. Well, if they're gonna get a chance to redo it, I'm I'm glad it's it, it's it's at a stage like that. So sure, and and hopefully like a super hot crowd as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continue on and go to Daryl. Um, SmackDown was okay. John, I have a UFC question. I know you had a busy weekend with wrestling, but do you plan on breaking down UFC 223? And I would love to hear your opinion on the Conor McGregor mess. Uh, we did go over the Conor McGregor stuff uh, quite a bit. I'm sure I will write about some more of it this week. Uh, I have not seen UFC 223 yet. That I have just been spending my entire day today trying to catch up on stuff. And 223 is on the list. I will get to it. And I'll probably write something down in my Give opinion. Give this man a care. break. Come I want to see it. It was a good Come card. on, Daryl. Let this man get some rest. It, it sounded like a very good, uh, at least main card on Saturday, but yeah. Right. I, I'm also staring at a screen here of the Hall of Fame where I'm at the 22-minute mark of a four-and-a-half-hour show, which I'm at Hillbilly Jim maybe on the, the cutting room floor. We go to Matt from Morristown, Tennessee. Decent show tonight. I'm glad to see Paige continued to be used on TV. I just wonder how long this will last since her movie should be out soon. Bludgeon Brothers versus Usos will be good, but I was hoping to see the Usos move to Raw. Iconic duo debuting was great, but odd that they were the only call-ups tonight, unless if 
unless they are saving more for next week. No real opinion on Carmella cashing in since I'm still salty about Asuka losing. Also, for the love of God, WWE, no one, I repeat, no one wants to see Orton versus Jinder again. You know, it'd be great if Orton gets drafted over and they just cancel the match. Um, I don't see that. I, I don't see that happening. But uh, oh, sure, Can you imagine the next month we're gonna get the, these two programmed together. Um, I'll say this about um, the call ups. I mean, SmackDown is also the shorter show, and mm-hmm. we talk about how loaded the show is just with just names already, like numbers. Period. Uh, I was glad there weren't a ton of call ups that were ju- that would just inevitably be lost in the shuffle. I like the fact it was just Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, and you had a lot of attention concentrated on those two. I feel I feel as well that I I don't think call ups should be strictly uh, a post WrestleMania thing. I think you should spread out your call ups throughout the whole year. I I I don't like like the rule that says oh. This person is only like, didn't they have like Rude came up after uh, SummerSlam, right? Yeah. So I mean, you can. I think it's really good for the for the iconic duo to be the only new call ups on SmackDown because it gives them a lot more focus. You uh, know what I like? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, but I mean, I'm saying you can probably expect more call ups as the year progresses. Yeah, I like that too because then it becomes predictable, and that to me was one of the things I liked about Takeover was we didn't get all the new people in the crowd because I can't tell you how many people were asking me in New Orleans, oh, who do you think is going to be seated in the crowd? It's now just expected that, especially for WrestleMania weekend, you're going to have new people in the crowd. And I'd say you haven't even got the last batch onto TV yet. There's Mm -hmm. so many people there. I was kind of glad that we didn't just feel this need to fulfill this demand because we've created this pattern um, that – they just broke away from that. There's no room for people, so why why do it on this takeover? Just for a momentary pop, and then we move on to the next match. Yeah. Next up is uh, Matt from Morristown. Decent uh, show tonight. Oh, whoops. Uh, we go to Rob. Great SmackDown. Very easy to watch after the many hours of programming this week. Paige is a great choice for general manager, but I don't like them taking these retirement speeches for granted. I know she said in-ring last night, but they should have kept her off TV for a while. Uh I'll disagree on that one because everyone knows it's real. It's not as though it's being done as just this fake retirement that is done to get fake emotion out of people. I think they all know she ret- she it was legitimate. She retired from in-ring competition. It was was what she said. Yeah, I don't think this is not a comeback. This is it's just not a storyline. It's not a, well. She yeah. did say, "Now I have to look for something else in my career to be right, passionate right. about." Right, um, that part was storyline, but the actual. Like, she is not going to be cleared. So, mm-hmm. at, at least not now. I mean, I guess now we can always put an asterisk against the word never. The Carmella cash-in is what it is. Charlotte was so special at Mania, I would have liked it to happen later. I pray Charlotte stays on SmackDown. She's got tons of adversaries now. I'd have her win the Rumble and fight Ronda for the title next at WrestleMania in 2019. is a great heel. Simple is better. Low blows equals bad ombre. Usos should be moved to Raw. I feel they've ran the division and faced New Day enough. On a side note, this episode of SmackDown got a .5 point bump in ratings for watching two members of the show. Impractical Joker sitting in the front row behind the announcers. Okay. All right. Cool. Two uh, drunk people, I guess, behind the announcers. Always entertaining. We got a Tom who says, SmackDown definitely feels like the smaller show with the level and amount of surprises, but because it was two hours and had two really strong matches, I found it way more enjoyable. I've never seen a heel Nakamura, but I'm already loving it, and I'm hopeful that this brings out the best in him. 
I'm strongly hoping that they keep Brian on SmackDown and find a way to keep his matches as a special occurrence, maybe a little more or as frequently as whatever schedule Ronda is going to have. Although I highly doubt it. Strong show, 8 out of 10. Okay, I'm going to skip here to Chris from Melbourne, Australia. The choice of Paige's GM was excellent. Was worried they were considering Jeff Jarrett like they did with Kurt last year. So happy to see Billy and Peyton Royce debut. Hopefully WWE can hold off on their breakup for a long time. After the Charlotte beatdown, I wasn't expecting a cash-in, but what was up with the ref? He looked like a deer in the headlights taking forever to make it official. Watch 205 Live was a great show, but have Percy. Since when was he called up from NXT commentary? You got to see his debut. We got a curse from Melbourne, Australia. The, the choice of pages GM. That, is, oh, that's the one I read. Oh, I'm sorry. I should pay, we should pay more attention to each other. We got a Jesse from the six who says, I watched the show with my girlfriend tonight and her thoughts upon she, upon seeing Shane McMahon. Why is he sweating so much on Daniel Bryan's return? Isn't he the match coordinator on Iconic's debut and Carmella's cash in? What is happening upon seeing a photo of the undertaker from WrestleMania? They made that old man wrestle again. This is how you could do a recap. Oh, we'd, we'd, we'd have much easier jobs. Uh, Zeki writes, SmackDown was a 10. This board has tough graders. We got a devastating beatdown by the Aussies, no beach balls, and we got a main event that would make Dr. Tom Pritchard proud. Okay, we go to uh, Mark from Vaughn who asks, who do you think would benefit most from a change of scenery next week? It feels like Braun would be a bigger deal in main events on SmackDown. It's also clear Brian and Miz need to end up on the same brand to continue their story. Yeah, I think Brian going to Raw uh, would be a heavy possibility. I think a uh, Brian and Braun feud would be a lot of fun. Oh, that would be great. I, I see Braun staying on Raw, to be I honest. Yeah. I, think, I think he fits better in there with, with that mix of people. Um, in terms of main guys, I don't see Reigns moving, uh, unless you were to just uh, want to drastically change course. Um I think a lot of people could benefit from a change of scenery, though. Could see know. Rollins. Uh, Rollins moving. I could see that potentially. Yeah, or, um, or I Finn. could see them do the deal where they switch Jinder and Rollins to two secondary champions. Oh boy! Yep, I have that to look forward to. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, take your pick. You know, Rusev, Finn Balor, a lot of guys. I think. Um, but who would benefit most? I mean, I continue to say I would love to see Joe on SmackDown. I think he'd be f- tremendous uh, in, a, in, a, in a land of fewer giants. Uh, your turn. Chris from Florida. Uh, really great show from SmackDown. Polar opposite of Raw. While Raw focused on story, character, the crowd, and promos, SmackDown focused on the in-ring and really delivered. Great decision to bring Paige in as general manager. Promo from Nakamura was solid gold. I'm now 100% behind heel Nakamura. Uh, really enjoyed the Natty Charlotte match. And AJ had a quick but great promo leading up to the match with Brian. Brian is just hugely over to this crowd. I'd complain about giving this away on TV, but it's the SmackDown after Mania, and there's a chance Brian could go to Raw next week, so I can't complain there. Match was incredible, and I felt at times like I was watching New Japan. I also love the finish. You sort of knew it was coming. Can't have AJ lose clean, and you can't have Brian lose at all. Nine low blows out of ten. And if you guys saw Being the Elite 100, what did you guys think? I have not seen it. I watched it. Um, it was a longer episode, and I found a lot of it kind of um, maybe just uh, drawn out. Um, maybe there are a lot of like subtleties I was too tired to really grasp at the time. I think I watched it just as I was waking up. So uh, I might try to tune in again or at least see online what people are saying. Uh, I uh, Right now, at the moment, I don't even remember it, so I'm sorry. I, I can't really give an accurate assessment. 
I think that's a great assessment there. Uh, okay, uh, who's up next? Let's let's go to uh, Andrew, who's in New Orleans. He says another fun live event. Clearly, not as many ma- not as many Mania Week visitors as last night, but still a good number based on the travel package chance during Shane's promo. WWE deep discounted tickets on Monday, <laughs> but still quite a few empty seats in the lower bowl, and most of the upper deck was tarped off. Way more children than last night, but by far the second least amount of kids I've ever seen at a, a WWE event. Yeah, hey, this was. Oh, sorry. sorry, I thought you were done. No, Paige was over big, and this seems to be seems like a role in which she can flourish. Uh, I hope she can live up to those expectations. Crowd was into Iconic and the Carmella cash-in. This was the second Money in the Bank I have seen live in that arena. The first was Punk's cash-in at 2009. The Danielson-Styles match seemed to lose some momentum and the big fight aura when the commercial breaks came right after the entrances. Even though the Nakamura run was... Predict, run in was predictable. I still got to watch AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan wrestle for about 20 minutes, and that put a big smile on my face. All right. Last one here is Bernie from Chicago. Evil also chimes in, and he really enjoyed your breakdown of AJ Styles and Shinsuke. No, oh, thank you. Bernie from Chicago. As much as last night's Raw disappointed me, SmackDown was the total opposite. I love seeing the iconic duo debut in such a big way. Paige's general manager has a ton of potential. A little part of me wishes they had held off on a Bryan Styles match, but I got to watch AJ wrestle Daniel Bryan with interference from Nakamura. Who would ever think we would see that in 2018? I'm wondering if you think there will be any big names moved in the shakeup next week, or if they will just move mid-carters and tag teams. What stup- superstars do you think would benefit most from changing shows? Uh, thank you for all your WrestleMania week coverage. Uh, thank you, Bernie. Uh, we went over some suggestions. I definitely think you will see some main players uh, moving over. I think you'll see up and down the card, lots of changes. Not too many, but some. Uh, like five, right? Like how many were there last time? Oh, I can't remember. It wasn't a ton. Like it's it however wasn't... many they feel like next week. We'll yeah. move. It wasn't I, as many... I think when it comes to main eventers, I think you'll get, you know, one or two from each show, like significant ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. That is going to wrap up our post-wrestling WrestleMania week coverage. Uh, but coming up later this week, uh, with NXT being a, a recap show, there will not be an up next this week. Uh, but Keep It 2000 will be dropping uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, reviewing the July 10th, 2000 episode of Nitro, which for those that remember, was the night after Bash at the Beach 2000 with the aforementioned Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan uh, shooting their angle that resulted in a legitimate lawsuit being filed. Uh, So you've got that fun to look forward to. Friday, we have got our special Rewind Away chatting Wrestle Kingdom 9, uh, which is an espresso uh, choice by uh, Bruce Lord. Bruce Lord, yes. Our espresso executive producer. And then Sunday night, it is the return of the post-wrestling roundtable with myself, Wei Ting, and Conrad Thompson from the Something to Wrestle With uh, podcast, as well as uh, What Happened When with Tony Schiavone and the upcoming 83 Weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff. He's a very busy man, and he's going to sit down with us for about 45 minutes. So you can look forward to that on Sunday night up at postwrestling.com. Yep, and for double-double patrons... Uh, that that is our twelve dollar tier. You'll be able to see that interview as well up at postwrestlingcafe.com. All right, that is it for us for waiting. I'm John Pollock. We are signing off. You can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we'll chat with you later on this week.